Jason Usry, and I made a movie with Judd Nelson. Welcome to I Made This from Do Anything Media, a show about passionate people executing their big ideas in realistic ways you can learn from to make your own big idea a reality. I'm Bill Meeks, and today I'm talking with Jason Usry. I know Jason Usry best as my former co-worker and the creative services director of WJCL 22 in Savannah, Georgia. But Jason's been writing screenplays on the side the entire time he's been working in television. This year, one of Jason's screenplays, Dead Water, got produced. It's not the first one he's had made, but it's the first one starring Breakfast Club star Judd Nelson, uh, not to mention Starship Troopers' Casper Van Dien. We'll find out how he got his movie made, and maybe get some storytelling tips along the way. And beyond talking about Dead Water, Jason also shared some insight on how a movie comes together between the creative side and the financial side, and he tells us about the dream project he'd make if Steven Spielberg showed up on his doorstep with a check. Wouldn't that be neat? Alright, I made this for you. Take a listen. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Jason. How are you doing down there in Savannah? Or up there, actually, from where I am. <laughs> That's good, man. I'm doing great. Um, it was cold earlier this week, and now today it got close to 70 again. So it's just kind of the back and forth weather. Uh, but uh, but things up here are great. I, I have a lot of love for Savannah. I think I've told you this uh, in a prior life when we were coworkers, yeah. that uh, uh, me and my wife decided that we were going to get married in Savannah down at uh, Tybee Island and everything. So. That's right. And I have a very uh, special affection for that area. Absolutely, yeah. Well, hopefully you guys can come back up and visit and we can all uh, go out for dinner or something. That'd be awesome. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. Please do. Okay, so uh, let's go ahead and start talking a little bit about uh, the movie and this whole screenwriting thing. When did you get started doing screenwriting? So I wrote my first screenplay when I was 17 years old. It's a very cheesy story. <laughs> when I was in high school, I, uh, I saw the movie Titanic with my high school girlfriend, which mm-hmm. is a perfectly great movie. It's perfectly fine. But what struck me about the movie was not just that it was such a cinematic achievement, but that it seemed to have a different impact on the audience in a really, really tangible way. And it was the first time I'd seen a product have that kind of mesmerizing power over people. And staying power, too, because didn't Titanic, it stayed in theaters for like a year or something, didn't it? Forever. Yeah, man. I mean, people went to see it multiple times. I know my girlfriend dragged me to it two or three times. And yeah, it was there was something about that, that movie and that moment that was really, really powerful to me um, and really turned me on. I'd always wanted to tell stories. You know, I grew up in the South and, you know, I had grandparents that were really great kind of front porch storytellers. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was always something kind of in my blood. My grandparents had that too. I, my grandfather in particular, he, he would always call them true stories. He was like, okay, sit down. We're going to tell you some true stories. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. It just was, a, it was something different for me and kind of at a moment in my life where I didn't, I, I knew that it was time for me to try to start figuring out what I wanted to do. I decided I was going to go home and start writing a screenplay. And so I went home and started handwriting a screenplay first. Um, so Titanic was in theaters in December and like whatever, February or whatever. I got like my $200 um, tax refund check. And I went to the store and I bought one of those electronic typewriters that you could see like one line of text on. Okay. Yeah, I wrote, I started transcribing when I handwritten and then I finished writing the first draft of a screenplay. Um, Formatting a screenplay on a typewriter must have been hell. Just absolute hell. It was awful, man. <laughs> like, and, and I know it was like all wrong. So in and now it's it's so easy because you've got, you know, Final Draft or maybe Matching or all these programs that do it for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, back then I was just trying to, trying to get something out. And, and it was the first time I'd ever really set out on a, on a long form writing project and finished it. And so I was like, okay, maybe I could do this for other stories and that sort of thing. And, and so, um, you know, within you know three or four years, I'd written, you know, one or two a year, you know, and then as I went into college, I kind of, I had, I had gotten a, a business scholarship, but it did not cover books or fees and it was a private school and I didn't, I didn't have the cash to pay the fees and, and all the books. So I took advantage of the hope 
scholarship program, which Georgia has, which pays for tuition fees and then gives a book stipend. So it made it a lot more economical for me to go to a state school. Mm-hmm. So I transferred to Dallas' state and uh, I was in the business program there. And I'll never forget, I was in a, uh, a business management class. I was I had my note, little notepad out. I was writing a, I was writing on a screenplay. Uh-huh. The professor um, called on me to answer a question, and I wasn't paying attention because I was so engaged in writing the screenplay. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Like uh, my, I still remember how red my. I know we're not recording audio or video, but my shirt's very red, and that's about as red as my face was. <laughs> I went back to. Uh, the the main campus. Uh, I went to the mass media communication building. I walked in and there was one light on, uh, and a man by the, the name of uh, Mike Savoy, who ended up becoming my advisor, was in his office. I told him, "Hey, look, I'm a business major right now, but I I really want to I want to write movies, make movies, and uh, I'd love to kind of transfer in this department." And he told me I was foolish. That I'd make a lot more money if I stayed in business which is true, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, there are successful screenwriters out there, but that, I don't think there's anyone, you know, with a, with a mansion. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, um, so yeah, he, uh, but he did tell me, he said, you know, look, I, I can't blame you. I did kind of the same sort of thing. And uh, he took me under his wing and I, I had a great um, few years at Valdosta State. And, uh, and that's kind of how it started. They even let me produce a, a short film that I wrote and uh, directed and ended up editing. And so, yeah, I mean, I had a really good, uh, good opportunity with them because they let us use the gear and all, and all those things. So I learned a lot. That, that's one nice thing. If, if you're looking to get into filmmaking in school is you just have, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars worth of equipment available to you. Production has been democratized a lot more these days. You know, it's a lot cheaper. You know, you can go out with your iPhone sure. and shoot something that looks better than anything they shot in the 80s, any trauma film. Uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> Good resource to kind of tap into there if you're in college. Absolutely. I did see, uh, I was kind of like stalking you online. I hope you don't mind. No. <laughs> uh, I saw something about beloved pictures on your LinkedIn. Uh, what's What's that all about? Okay, so yeah, uh, a couple of good friends of mine and I uh, years ago tried to get a, a production company off ground. Mm-hmm. The project that started that off was a screenplay uh, called The Beloved that I co-wrote with uh, a friend of mine, Caleb Applegate. And Caleb is now actually, he's actually right now out in, um, I think it's Montana. Uh, it might be I don't know. He's somewhere out, out that way, out west somewhere, mm-hmm. producing a movie called uh, All the All the Small Things. But he and I and another friend of ours, uh, a guy named Michael Ludlam, kind of got together and we were going to try to create some content. It was going to be difficult because I was in Savannah and they were in Northern California at the time. Yeah, and the internet probably wasn't quite as robust as, as it is now either. No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. There were a lot of phone calls and, you know, emails and not, you know, not, nothing like this, you know, nothing that we could kind of just jump on on video chat and, mm-hmm. and talk about things kind of face to face. But, um, you know, after we tried to get a few things off the ground and after a while, it I needed to move on to do some of my own projects. They stuck with it a little longer and then they both kind of started going on to do their own projects. And, and you know, and I think all of us are um, you know, happy with all that. Like I talked to Caleb a couple of weeks ago. He's doing you know awesome. Um, I talked to Michael occasionally. Uh, we usually message back and forth on Facebook or, or LinkedIn. But but yeah, I think it all worked out really well for all of us because we all kind of found our own little our own little paths and our own uh, spaces, you know? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, beloved pictures. That's a, that's a good memory. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get to the subject at hand here. Uh, that poster uh, in the office behind you, dead water. Yeah. We are officially off the grid. This is the harpoon gun. In case we run into any trouble. What kind of trouble? You guys are my guests. I hate to see anything happen to my best friends. Spooky, isn't it? What's that? Out here. All alone. What's wrong? She won't start. What? What does that mean? So it's not working. Who's that? I'm glad to see you. We got some boat trouble. I was worried you might be a pirate. I got a parrot. I, I just watched it today. 
you know, a part of being a screenwriter is you need to be able to give a good elevator pitch. So why don't you give us like the elevator pitch on the movie and then tell us a little bit about where you got the idea for it. Uh, so the movie is a combat veteran uh, and his wife who are invited out on a, a glamorous vacation with a friend of his uh, when things suddenly go horribly and terribly wrong. And so th- the story about how this came about is probably more interesting than the you know the, the movie itself. Like it was <laughs> it was born out of necessity, right? So I've written over the course of. Uh, my life, I've written somewhere on the order of 25 or 30 screenplays that are original ideas that I have had. Now, of course, earlier on in my career, I wrote a lot of movies that were gigantic budget, you know, big tentpole type movies. Ambitious. Yeah, extraordinarily ambitious. And as I have kind of grown and matured, both the content of what I've written has become a lot more um from a mature perspective, but the way that I approach the process has also matured. So I'm a lot more cognizant of, of budget and logistics and that sort of thing. So, you know, it makes it a little easier for me to work with producers. So this project happened because uh, the producer and director, Chris Hilton, he and I had worked together on a few different projects. I adapted a, a, a book that he had the option to called uh, Do the Birds Still Sing in Hell. I wrote a movie um, that was kind of loosely based on he and his wife's really more his wife's battle with breast cancer. That was the first project we worked on together. Mm-hmm. But we had written, I'd written a few projects that were kind of born out of his ideas uh, that we were trying to get produced. And one day he called me and he said, "Hey, I've got a guy that um, has uh, has some money he wants to put into into a film. Do you have anything for X budget level?" And I didn't because even though I was tailoring things down. I still didn't have anything for, for that specific dollar amount. I said, so I said, no, I don't have anything for that, but we can write something. So the next day he and I met at a Starbucks on Victory Drive in Savannah, Georgia. I remember I had just been to the dentists and I wasn't feeling all that great. <laughs> um, but we sat down for like an hour and just kind of wrote a very, very broad. It was one of those things where I was like, all right, so we've got X amount of dollars, which wasn't a lot of money. That means we need limited cast on the locations. He goes, what if we put them on a boat? And I said, well, put them on a boat, <laughs> which uh, if you ask Chris now, he'd be like, we're never putting them on a boat again, which <laughs> I would agree with just because of the logistics. It's just a nightmare. But Oh, I, I, I have some questions on that later on, I think. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, so yeah, so we, uh, so I, I went away uh, for a few days and I wrote a, a set, I think it was a seven page treatment. And uh, as I tell it, we argued about it for a couple of weeks. We had a couple things that he had something that was a sticking point and it was a sticking point for me. And we argued about it. We eventually compromised. And I think it worked better for the movie for that from that standpoint. It was kind of one of those things that it was we had a certain budget line we were trying to hit. And I just went Mm -hmm. went out. I wrote for that target and tried to keep something that was a little suspenseful and and. um, you know, you put some people out in the middle of the ocean where anything can happen and you're not sure what anybody's motives are. You know, that's compelling to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I delivered the script. He went back to the investor and the investor's like, yeah, I actually want to go into something else now. So the project then sat on the shelf for a year. Then an, another individual came forward who wanted to get into the film business um, and put uh, put the money up for this mm-hmm. and we shot last year uh in 2018 down in uh, st croix can't remember that the, i wasn't down there um uh, unfortunately i did not i did get to go down there after the fact um and meet some of the people um but i did not i did not get to go down during filming but yeah i mean it, it turned out to be an interesting movie and but one of, kind of one of those things where we we had a very very in our minds very achievable goal which was we're going to produce this movie then we're going to go to the American film market and we're going to sell it ourselves. We're going to try to get enough to sell it. And, and then, you know, we'll, we'll move on to the next project. Mm-hmm. And then a company called VMI came in, who's our sales company. They really sparked to the project and then, and they sold it to Saban films who then turned around and, and got it to Lionsgate. So, you know, it, it kind of grew a little larger than we anticipated 
And I think had we realized that was going to happen, and Chris and I have talked about this, we might have stuck to our guns on some of, we made some concessions we wouldn't have made. Mm-hmm. You know, had we realized how it was going to kind of grow and, and balloon a little bit. But Were you able to make any, or did you have to make any slight adjustments when, you know, the people that you wrote it for ended up turning it down and then it ended up going to somewhere else? Like, did, did you have to, you know, change some characters or change some scenes out? You know, I, I didn't really have to change any characters based on that. I, what I will say is that Judd Nelson, who is like one of the most interesting people I have ever, maybe the most interesting man I've ever met. I, I, I find him very interesting myself. He's like, a cinephile to the to the nth degree. I mean, I, you know, I got I got only a chance to spend about an hour and a half, kind of in his presence, and and I chatted with him a little bit. But he loves movies, man. Like he is, he loves movies like like you only hope that people in Hollywood love movies. Yeah. And I, what I will say is that he interpreted his character differently than I had written it. And so we went back and forth with some some changes for that character in particular. And, you know, and then, of course, things kind of happen on set or they get out to a certain, you know, situation that they have to. So, for instance, this is actually this kind of goes to your question. When we were first talking about this and I started to write the, the script, I asked uh, Chris, the director, if there was a specific boat that he had in mind for our hero boat where they're going to have, you know, so I could go download the four plan and then I could kind of try to see how to choreograph some of the the scenes. Right. Yeah. And so he told me, Oh yeah, we're looking at this boat. So I went and did all that. I downloaded the four plan. I put myself, my mind in this, you know, space and I wrote scenes based on that space, but that wasn't the boat that ended up in the movie. The boat that ended up in the movie was, uh, as you saw, a beautiful uh, multi-million dollar yacht. Multiple levels and everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> super, super nice. But the floor plan is different. So some of the work that I had done, the, the joke between Chris and I was that um, on the last day of shooting, we'd finally lock the script <laughs> because he would be looking to the next day and say, oh, Jason, like we've written the scene this way. Can you like work on it like it's like the opposite of the way the floor plan is. And there's this and like, and so we were in constant communication and I was, even though I wasn't on set every day, I was, I was pretty involved in trying to make some of the, these different um, challenges work. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, that's one of those kind of evolving things of the production process as you, you just kind of tackle issues as they come along. You know, you said, you know, you sort of wrote this to a budget and to, you know, maybe some idea of genre or anything. But did you find any way to kind of inject some of your personal experience or your personality into the script? Uh, Yeah, um, there are certain in all of my screenplays. I do write certain things that certain people that I love will know is for them. Right. Mm -hmm. So in this one in particular, the scene where. Uh, Cooper and Vivian are at home and uh, he has been in the fight, but he's in the bathroom and he comes out and, and she's talking about what she's got for dinner. And she says she's got the, the line is stuff for spaghetti. My mom always used to say, I've got stuff for spaghetti. It always kind of stuck with me. So there's things like that. And then, you know, th- there will be things I'll drop in that my wife will uh, will recognize. And, and so I try to take some of the more human moments because you know, every story is about kind of relating to, you know, to characters on a human level. Mm-hmm. For, uh, I'll tell you one, if I can jump off Dead War just for a second, my favorite kind of thing that you're talking about. I read a movie um, called Unicorn that I hope one day gets produced. It's one of those kind of bigger, uh, bigger thing. And it's a dark fairy tale set during the Revolutionary War. And in it, there's a set of twins, a boy and girl, and the, and the, the girl gets deathly ill. So the boy who has heard stories from his grandfather that unicorns lived in the mountain and if a touch of the unicorn's alicorn can heal any any sickness, right? Mm-hmm. And so he jumps off on this journey, you know, as a kid, tries to find this unicorn. And while he's on that journey, um, he goes to sleep, falls asleep in a, in a forest with some companions and these giant spiders come down and they sew his eyes shut Ugh. with their web. 
the reason I wrote that was because when I was a, when I was a very little boy, I would get you know sleep in my eyes and I'd have and I could barely open them and I I would tell my mom I had spiders in my eyes, <laughs> and so that's kind of the stuff that I write to try to like you know find some ways if I can relate something that somebody you know and like sometimes they may not realize it but I'll I'll say hey like that's that's my tribute to what you've given me so um, so yeah I do try to connect some of those um some of those moments in life that that i found special and that somebody else might be able to connect with as well getting back to deadwater a little bit you said you know you you had to kind of write a treatment there was an investor all this stuff when you sit down just to write a screenplay to write a screenplay how much planning do you do do you just start page one and i have kind of an idea or do you do you try and flesh it out as much as possible before you ever sit down with final draft it varies. I would say earlier on, I, I kind of started at page one. I had an idea for a, for a first few scenes and, and I would kind of try to plow through and I'd figure it out as I went along. As I matured, um, I do try to outline a little more and particularly, you know, in particular when I'm working with other with a producer or um, with other people um, and they need a lot of times they need to know the whole thing. Yeah. But I always preface it with, look, here's here's what i'm thinking right now but this is not concrete like this thing can go you know it's, it'll stay largely close to what i'm giving you but it can go but the, the process is a creative process so you need to have room to be able to flex you yeah know? And just and discover things about the story that might not have occurred to you when you were in the outline process absolutely yeah i mean it's not you know i've written one screenplay which i did kind of start to finish over a weekend. Um, and it's actually still one of my better screenplays, I think, but the vast majority of them don't, don't come that quickly. They come <laughs> over, you know, weeks and months of like trying to get things right. And like, you know, blood, sweat and tears. Absolutely. And figuring something out on page 90 and realizing, Oh my gosh, I got to set that up on page 18. And so there's a lot of that kind of shaping that goes along. And, and I do find that, um, if I can outline, you know, usually I'll try to write a treatment. Um, recently, I worked on a project where I, I did a treatment, then a, a kind of a scene by scene sort of step outline um, that, that kind of outlined every scene and its place and its purpose. Mm-hmm. But broadly speaking, it, I mean, I think the inspiration can kind of take you take you any sort of way. Just now, as time is, you know, I don't have as much of it, you know, by myself anymore. As so, you know, married a little boy and oh kids will eat up all your time Absolutely. Right, yeah and all your food and all your <laughs> money <laughs> the uh but it, yeah as time has become a premium i i have tried to spend a little bit more of it focusing in on all right what is my agenda and then what's my overall feeling and where i'm going to go and then but but still allowing myself as i'm going through the process to to feel the freedom to to move, you know, move along the lanes how I how I may. So uh, I I know you've mentioned that in a lot of cases you're working directly with producers or like you know working within a few individuals to find financing and all this stuff. But uh, back in the day, I, I I did quite a bit of screenwriting. I lived in LA for a few years doing it. Yeah. How how does a guy in Savannah, Georgia, kind of? tap into that system and get a movie made these days. I, I know back then it was all about query letters and you should fly out to LA for three weeks every quarter and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it, it, how, how, how do you go about it now? Well, it, you know, it's, it's still a lot of relationship uh, building. I'm going to be in LA actually uh, in December for uh, four or five days um, and have a bunch of meetings out there then the way this, this kind of, this really all happened uh, you know, credit to Chris Helton, who's uh, one of my best friends in the world. Um, I'd, I'd do anything in the world for the guy. Um, I, I met him 10 years ago um, at, at a networking meeting, and he was kind of the crazy guy at the front of the room saying, I want to bring a movie studio to Savannah, Georgia. And I was like, I need to know you. <laughs> and so we met and had had coffee and, and I was going through a Steve Jobs phase. So I was in like a black, you know, mock turtleneck and <laughs> tight jeans. And, you know, we laugh about that now. I know they've never made one. But if they ever happen to make a movie about Steve Jobs life, I think you could totally play it. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> 
You, you um, definitely have that Steve Jobs vibe. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah, so I, you know, I met him and and you know, kind of working through these other projects with him, we built a trust and a relationship together. And then and Chris was making a lot of his own building his own relationships, and I was building a lot of my own relationships. And and at some point, a lot of those people uh, kind of came together to bring us a, a little family film called Running From My Roots. Mm-hmm. At the time that I came on board, it was actually called Take Two for Faith. I was brought in to, um, to punch up, kind of put a more of a, of a musical. It was based, a, it was actually a, when I got it, it was a, a former actress who'd gone home to her hometown because the spotlight became too bright. And she reconnects with her former high school boyfriend, who's a pastor at a struggling church, and she helps revive his ministry, sort of thing. But I was I was brought in to to change things up a little bit, and we and we made it more of a musical story. Um, not that it was a musical, but added you know more of a musical bent to yeah. it. And so that was kind of my first project uh, that I had, and I, and that, I had to turn that around in a week. Um, eight days, something like that. The rewrite on that, and that was uh, four or five summers ago, and then that was released um, last year. And then, um, it, but through all that, uh, you know, Chris made some contacts, which, which helped him get the first contact that wanted to finance Deadwater, which was the reason that I wrote it. And then, you know, that sort of thing happened. And then when we were out at uh, AFM last year. Um, which I was out in LA three or four days that, that time. Well, I met up with the producer of take two for faith, um, running from my roots. And she wanted me to work on sort of a companion piece to that. Um, so I finished that draft earlier this year, it's supposed to go into production next year. And then I'm uh, one of the actors from running from my roots, uh, introduced me to a, a guy who had a, a really compelling story, so I worked on a draft of that, finished that earlier this year. Hopefully that'll go into production next year. Um, and then that that same actor also, I'm working on a project for him in the next few weeks. He's moving a lot more into to the producing realm. And, and, you know, again, it's just trying to build relationships with people. Um, it's difficult being in Savannah and not having the kind of the FaceTime. But mm-hmm. but I feel, feel very fortunate to, to have some really well-placed relationships that, you know, I can kind of call on and, and go meet with and just bounce ideas off of. And, you know, and the other thing too, is that, you know, I, I know that a lot of writers are temperamental <laughs> about their work and it, as you know, as you should be, you should care about what you do. Absolutely. Yeah. Fortunately, I somehow have the gift of someone can tell me that something I do sucks mm-hmm. and I can, I can take it and not take it so personally that that it paralyzes me, but instead try to understand what they're looking for. And because of that, people want to work with me and people want to give me opportunities. Because of that, it's broadened the the, the network, right? Yeah, and I, that's such a great quality to have too. Like that, one of my favorite things in the world is, like you said, is to get told that something I did sucked, because then I know it sucks and I can fix it for the next time, fix it for this time, and I'll never do it again. You know, like. It's the most useful thing you can do for me. Absolutely. 100% agree. But, uh, you know, you were talking a bit about, you know, how how these relationships have kind of empowered, you know, these projects and these dreams of yours to become reality. Uh, If someone's out there and they don't have these kind of relationships built, do you have any advice for them to not necessarily get their foot in the door, but at least, you know, get their head in the door so they can be like, hey, can I bring my feet in too? Yeah. So, well, you know, one of the things that I did when I had zero relationships was I went to uh, to film festivals Mm -hmm. and tried to befriend kind of up and coming uh, uh, writers, directors, actors, um, producers. Um, I went to a a film festival called uh, the Green Cove Springs Film Festival in um, Green Cove Springs, Florida, uh, several years ago, eight, nine, ten years. Uh, It's actually probably actually probably four, 13 or 14 years ago. And I met a guy there, or I actually, I didn't meet him. His movie played there is a guy named Gary, Gary weeks. And Gary had a movie called 29 reasons to run. Uh, I think it's on Netflix. Um, and it played that festival. And, um, if the filmmaker wasn't there, I would, I would reach out to them on their website and just say, Hey, I was at such and such festival. I really liked your your project, and uh, you know I'm kind of a a guy just trying to get in, and would love to 
you know, pick your brain for any advice. And Gary Weeks, um, I, you know, he, I, I saw him uh, a few months ago and I, I mentioned this to him, but he was only so he's just a, he's a sweet guy and a, a really great actor. He, I, I reached out to him and he, he said, yeah, man, hey, you know, here's my number. Give me a call sometime. And I called him one day and he was on the phone with me for like, you know, an hour just answering all of my questions. And, and he was uh, extraordinarily um, helpful. But, I, you know, there are people out there, I think, that want to help, you know, send the elevator back down, so to speak, and to, mm-hmm. to help, you know, other people. Because the other thing, too, is, you know, like if someone that you've helped is successful, they're more likely to help, you know, help you become more successful. And, um, and I think there are a lot, I know that a lot of famous people in general get a bad rap because we only hear about the bad things that happen with them. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are a lot of really good people that care to provide, you know, quality content and a a stepping stone for, for people that, um, that they think are going to kind of carry the torch in a positive way forward. So my advice would be to, to, Make sure that you're disciplined, you know, as a writer and a creator to not stop it because it, it is lonely and hard and, and tiring and it's real easy to stop. Um, but if you stop, you're not going to get where you want to go. So to keep doing that and then to look for those opportunities, even in ways that aren't you know necessarily traditional, to just try to, to reach out to people that you respect and admire uh, not the, not too much of a stalkery way, but um, <laughs> try to try to reach out to to people you respect and admire, and who knows, they might they might open the door and and say, hey, I'm yeah, I'll listen to you, I'll listen to what you have to say, and you know, and then that could could spark just another another door to open down the road. You mentioned uh, what was it? You've written twenty three screenplays, I think you said. There's you know, I've lost count over the years. It's 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 hovering somewhere between twenty five and thirty screenplays. How how many? do you think you wrote before it seemed like you were getting somewhere or, or what was that moment? Uh, you know, I, in a, in a lot of ways, I don't know that I'm, I'm getting anywhere now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I know so many people have a movie with Judd Nelson. In yeah. <laughs> it. <laughs> well, no, I, that's a good point. I mean, I, I thought, I really thought that when I adapted to the birds still sing in hell uh, for Chris, which is a great book. I really thought when when we adapted that that was going to be the one, and then you know that was that was uh, three or four screenplays ago, so probably twenty mm-hmm. um, or so. Um, now I don't think it has to be that many if you're in a position where you're you're exposed to the film industry every day and people that you can pass things like you know I think if you're in L.A. or New York and you're kind of plugged into that scene, I don't think you have to. I don't think that you would have to write for that long, maybe half that long, like maybe 10 screenplays at that point. But, you know, kind of being a little out of out of the zone, I think, caused it to take a little longer. And I did think about going to L.A. uh, in my early 20s. And I don't know whether I regret that or not. I mean, I don't regret it because I've got a great life here. I'm very happy with what's happened with my life. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I do think that it could have been an interesting, interesting proposition it was probably it was probably twenty screenplays really before I felt like you know and that was because I'd made some connections that felt like okay they might be able to open a door. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't because necessarily I felt I probably felt like the work was there sooner that that I felt like I was I was competitive um, sooner than that, but pragmatically and realistically it wasn't until probably twenty screenplays beyond writing screenplays you do have a full-time job I do. how do you sort of balance both of those hats that you wear it's funny um i made a you know made a choice that i would never cross the streams right um because it, I, I, that's not right so i do a lot of it's a lot of late nights early mornings and weekends for me so um and the other thing too is you know i have a little boy uh, and a wife and i don't want them to feel like i'm never there for them. So I wait until uh, they go to bed. Um, my wife goes to bed with, you know, at the same time he does, which is good. So, you know, I stay up a lot, you know, they go to bed usually eight thirty or nine o'clock. So I'm up, you know, until midnight sometimes. And, or if I go to sleep early, then I'm up at 
three or four o'clock in the morning and I work for three or four hours before I get ready and I, I go to the office and I do my office thing. And then on the weekends, I, I get up and I do the same thing during Grayson's nap on the weekends. I'll jump in here for two, three hours and try to, to knock, knock some things out. So it really is, um, you know, it's tough because, you know, there's not a lot of time right now. Like I haven't gotten to download Disney plus, right. Or anything or <laughs> anything anybody else is talking about. I don't know what any of this stuff is right now. You're like, what's a Mandalorian. <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> Baby Yoda. What? Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a lot of like late nights and early mornings right now for, for that. But it's something that I, I love. Um, as I've said probably a thousand times in my life. If I could not be a writer, I would have quit a long time ago, mm-hmm. but it's a compulsion I have. It's something that I, just, I need to do, um, to feel complete, you know, and yeah. to feel like I'm working towards something. So, so I'm committed to the long hours and those things. And, you know, maybe it's some, maybe someday it won't be as difficult. Maybe it'll be a little more of a, a full-time thing, but right now it's, it's, i I'm comfortable dealing with the with the reality as it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, writers in particular, I, I mean, all creatives are like this to some degree, but writers in particular, they definitely have that drive because basically you're sitting there talking to yourself for 20, 30, 40, 50 hours. Yeah. And if you don't have if you don't have that passion, you don't have that drive, you're, you're not going to stick there with it. You're going to be like, oh, they, people would think this was dumb anyway. Yeah. And you'll get up and you'll leave. But you have the drive to sit there and stick with it. Absolutely. That's 100 percent correct. Why don't we get into a couple specific questions about the movie here? Why not? Please. Right. Sure. Um, so. So uh, the main character, Coop, uh, there, there's this bit of a, a plot point where uh, he has an issue where, where he's not taking his medication. When we get home, I don't care. You are taking your medicine. I'm taking my medicine. Why don't you count? I've seen you throw them down the drain. I've seen it. I don't like the way that it makes me feel. Well, I don't like the way that you make me feel. Did you do research on, you know, exactly what was affecting him and what medication would be appropriate for that? Or did you just write pills down and that's it? I did do research. Um, I did. A, I did a lot of research about PTSD and, and medication that was administered for, for those sorts of things. And the good news is that um, Griff first, who played um, Coop in the movie, he actually did even more research. So the, the scenes where he's dealing with that are better than, than I had envisioned them in my head. But yeah, I, I do try to be pretty buttoned up in, in the research department. Um, sometimes things don't necessarily come out the way that you, you expect them to or whatever. Like, like I said, with the boat and, the, you know, written a different boat, whatever. But yeah, I did do some research about that and kind of the physical and, you know, the uneven, uh, uh, behaviors of, of people that are battling it. Um, and the forlorn, zoned out uh the way that he is in this that all that was from from the research that i did 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 any of that uh research particularly with that character did it inform the story at all did it sort of like feedback into the story as you were writing it you were like oh wait a second like maybe i could have him do this and that'll lead to this sort of thing. yeah a little bit yeah i think when you're when you're writing something that's more character driven it, it does tend to affect the way the plot rolls out. There were certain things that, that didn't make it into the movie that, um, you know, either because they were too difficult to shoot or were, they had to be changed on the day for some other, you know, logistical thing Yeah, that actually probably were more tied into things he would have done because he had this experience as a combat Marine, that sort of thing. But, but yeah, you know, I think that anytime that you're doing writing a character driven piece, it does. You, you kind of have an idea of who this character is as you start, and then as you write and and they solidify. And it's kind of like you start out with a with a ghost, and the more you write, the more real they become, mm-hmm. and and more solid they become. Yeah. And so so as you're doing that, you know, kind of the second draft, you start saying, well, yeah, I think that, you know, if he did X Y Z here, then it impacts the, the story further down and it just, you know, it, you, you kind of roll it back out that way. So 
Yeah, I think there was some of that. I, to touch back on the research for just one second, uh, how extensive do you go? Is it basically just, uh, you know, Wikipedia or WebMD, or do you actually reach out to any experts or anything in these fields that would apply? It, it, it differs for pro- each project. So with, um, with, with Deadwater, it was, I try to do a lot of solid online research, um, more in depth than just Wikipedia, but, you know, so yeah. looking at some, some real case studies and things, uh, for other projects right now, I'm, I'm developing a project. Actually, I'm, I'm developing two different projects with two different law enforcement professionals. So with them, they are experts and they, they have kind of connections into, you know, the drug world, um, per se, like for this one project yesterday, I was writing a, uh, a document, uh, that, kind of as an outline and I, I did go online to look up, you know, some things about dr- the drug trade. I was like, Oh my gosh, I hope my wife doesn't come here and look at my search history. You know? <laughs> but, uh, but you know, then I sent it over to him and he'll, he'll go through and he'll assess as to whether it rings true or not. So it does vary. Um, obviously the more perspective you can get on any critical piece of information is helpful. Um, but the other thing too is um, you don't want the reality to take away from the cinematic value either. So there are some things with the, with this other project that, that I'm working on. There there are court scenes and they're you know extraordinarily procedural and and formal and that sort of stuff that we wanted to punch. And so my co-writer took basically the court transcripts and transcribed it. And so now we're taking you know some of those things out in order to, to give it some more teeth. Mm -hmm. So there, there's a little give and take there. Um, I just, I do think that, you know, it's important to try to build whatever your world is out as realistically as possible without discounting the, the cinematic value that you hope to achieve. I, I, I think I might know the answer to this already, but our, our listeners might not. Uh, so I noticed in the movie, uh, not only do you have uh, the screenplay credit, but you also have an executive producer credit. People are often confused about why people have different executive producer credits. Why, why do you have yours? You know, I, I'll be honest with you. I, so Chris produced and directed this movie. Chris, my, my best friend, he, he would have been my best man at my wedding if my dad had not been. Okay. Mm-hmm. When I first saw the final cut with the credits on it, I did. I was shocked. I did not realize I was going to be an executive producer. <laughs> I think it's because I got paid so little. Uh. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. uh, <laughs> no, I think it's because I, I've contributed so much um, to not just this project, but many projects that we've worked on together. It was a an offering of respect that he gave to me, um, which I, I greatly appreciate. He, you know, he's, he's done a lot, you know, for my career and his career. And he's, no, I think it was a nod of respect to me. It surprised me. And he, we, we actually, as I recall, we were watching it together here. He came down to visit Mm -hmm. and I was like, what is that? (laughs) And he just kind of patted me on the back and was just like, Hey man, go on. And so it's it was cool. It's a cool moment. Yeah, I think I think that's the reason why that's such a nebulous title because it, it, it's oftentimes yeah. for that reason. Like, oh, this person put a little bit extra more than their first title had on it, or you know, something like that. You know. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. Okay, now I do have to ask you, uh, just because, uh, you know, in a former life, uh, we were co-workers, and I know you work around television news. It Was the fact that Vivian was a reporter, was that influenced at all by your day job? Yeah, it was. I mean, um, I can't, you know, I don't remember actually if I said that she should be a reporter, if Chris said that she should be a reporter. Um, but what I will say is that there is a there is a, a big influence of of kind of the television news gathering sort of life in a lot of my projects. Um, there's a project that that I've got um, that I'm trying to get produced called Monkey Island, um, which is based on a real place just off the coast of South Carolina up in, in my TV market. Uh-huh. And there's a, a very strong TV news influence in that and that project as well. And I wrote that project to be produced for like $25,000 by me and six buddies. Um, and then some people have, some other producers have kind of circled it, you know, and, and so I'm, I've kind of held off on, on self-producing, but yeah, that, that does play a big role in, in, you know, certain, uh, 
certain characters and and we obviously know that this didn't happen during a, during a, a sweeps period because Vivian was <laughs> able to go down, <laughs> leave town for, for yeah a, for like weeks and yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah I, I'm sure it's just to you know you're you're in there working around it day after day after day after day and it just kind of gets in your bones yeah so you know when you sit down to write I'm sure that that's the first thing your mind goes to absolutely absolutely yeah yeah for sure <laughs> so. You have this fine finished product, Dead Water, here. Uh, you, you have stuff lined up coming up. You have stuff you've done before. Let's go ahead and just go into the realm of complete fantasy here for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's say Steven Spielberg shows up at your door. He has a check for $250 million. What script are you going to write to make for him uh, with that budget? Um, oh man! I mean, I know that's not a huge budget, but it's it's. I'm, I'm assuming it's bigger than what Deadwater. <laughs> yeah, just a just a just a smidge. <laughs> I would I would probably go back if 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 I got to choose a project, I would probably start with that unicorn project that I that I mentioned earlier. Um, it, it's it like I said, it's a it's kind of a dark fairy tale. It's there are a lot of themes in it that matter to me, you know, uh, loss of innocence, um, hope and, and, uh, in the most dreary of circumstances and, uh, kind of the coming of age sort of story. I would, I would love to, to do that. There's another story that I am desperate to do. It's actually a, a story based on a local or sort of local up in the Charleston TV markets, a place called Somerville. And there were some uh, firefighters who um, uh, were fighting a furniture store fire about nine, ten years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those firefighters, the captain, um, was also a, a high school basketball coach. And he died in the fire. And the team played the you know the next season without him as the coach. They had his you know fire helmet there at his on his seat every every game, and and they ended up winning. Uh, the championship that year. And he had told them all, he had coached them all through, I think from like eighth grade up through their high school years and told them they were going to win a championship before they left school. And they had not done so. Uh, And then, you know, that season was kind of, you know, a tribute to him. And, and, you know, and it's just stories like that, that I feel like, again, it gets you back to the, the whole reason that I started writing movies was, was I wanted to, to, tell stories that I felt would have an impact on people and in a positive way, because, you know, as you know, you know, in, in your former life and in, in the TV world, you, you're bombarded with a lot of negativity all the time. And, oh, yeah. and it gets really, really hard to, you know, shake some of that sometimes. So do want to, um, to write movies that, um, w- that don't have agendas, but do have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, that story about that basketball team in Somerville is something I'd like to do. I, I think it's set up somewhere right now, and but it has been set up for like ten years, and nothing's happened with it. So if I could get a hold of that man, I'd, I'd jump all over that, that project. I think it'd be a great movie. Well, I hope Steven Spielberg is waiting downstairs for you when we get done with this interview. <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> if so, your checks in the mail. Awesome! I can be an executive producer. It's perfect. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Okay, uh, so so like, we'll go ahead and wrap up here. But uh, before we go, do you have any advice in general that we haven't already discussed for anyone aspiring to be a screenwriter like yourself? Yeah, I, I would just go back and echo uh, what I said before. Um, you know, making sure that you are um, serious about it. A lot of times show business seems like it's extraordinarily accessible because we're bombarded with it all the times. But it is a very, very, very difficult business. I just turned 39 last week and um, I've been writing movies for 22 years. And it took me 21 of those 22 years before I ever saw anything on the screen. Um, If I wasn't stubborn or stupid or whatever it is that I am, (laughs) it wouldn't have happened for me, right? You, you have to maintain uh, your commitment to, you know, being uh, being a screenwriter or a filmmaker or any any, you know, creative professional. You really do have to be uh, committed and disciplined in your approach to that goal. Uh, but then, you know, again, you also have to look at 
opportunities to leverage other people that you can work with, you know, to open doors for you and, and also to see ways that you can help them as well. You don't want to just take advantage of people, but look for ways that you can um, find those helping hands that can, can usher you to the next step and then look for the next hand that's going to, you know, continue the, the progression because it's, it's, it's a long road and it's, it's, um, it's fun. Uh, but it's but it's very very tough and and I certainly hope you know people listening to this will get the sense that like it's doable you know I'm a guy who grew up in a town called Cairo Georgia uh, where our, my high school mascot was the syrup makers and <laughs> um, um, but not the kind of place that screenwriters are are just they're not just growing them on trees out there I tell you that so so it's it's really cool to to have a and, and everybody has a unique voice, you know, to trust their voice and to really, really try to develop that voice and their unique perspective um, because it's valuable. I mean, I think one of the other things, too, that that I haven't said is that you have to value your own perspective and experience and and uh, point of view and believe in yourself and and really try to to give yourself an opportunity. And the only way that you can do that is to play the game. So make sure to give it all you got and, and don't quit. And hopefully we'll get to see a movie from from whoever that person is, that's listening to this. So. His name's Steve. He's pretty cool. <laughs> Steve, please. <laughs> no, I really like that, though, like because, uh, yeah, as much as, you know, that dedication and that hard work and that passion is important. I, I really like that you think that your professional relationships with other people is just as important and all the passion and the hard work and the, the smarts in the world. If, if you're uh, an asshole to everybody, then, you know, you're never going to get anywhere. Right. You can't do this alone, man. That's for sure. This is, you know, the thing that I love about, you know, filmmaking is that you, you get to pull in the best of, of all the creative disciplines and put something together and, Things go sideways all the time and um, you have to figure it out. And, you know, and then at the end of the day, you know, as long as you're, again, all committed to the same vision and, and rowing in the same direction, you, you tend to have something come together that's, that's pretty special. And it's an extraordinary thing to see something that, you know, was once just a like a little spark in your brain on a screen. That is that is an extraordinary thing. Um, and I'm, and I'm glad I've gotten to, got, got it to happen to me a couple times. Hey, and we're all glad for you too, Jason. Uh, th- thank you so much for joining me today. And, uh, people out there, if you want to check out dead water, uh, it's available on a lot of platforms, but you can probably just go to like Google's shopping and search for dead water and it'll probably pop up several places there. There you go. <laughs> thank you so much, Bill, man. It's great to talk to you again. I hope we can talk again soon. Thanks for listening to the show. If you have your own big idea you've made a reality, we want to hear about it. Let us know by emailing imadethisatdoanything.media. We'd love to share your project or maybe even talk to you about it. You can follow the show at imadethisshow, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Again, that's at imadethisshow. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or on our website, imadethis.doanything.media. Again, that's imadethis.doanything.media. And if you do subscribe, make sure you leave a review so we can shout you out on the show. I'm Bill Meeks. Thanks for listening.